Welcome to the Green Acres Podcast. We are so glad you're here. At Green Acres, we strive to transform lives with the truth of Jesus. Today's message comes from Pastor Michael Gossett. Today, we're continuing in 1 Peter chapter 5. And, and I think it's no coincidence. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in the sovereignty of God. But um, by the Spirit, um, we have led, been led up to this point in 1 Peter chapter 5. And if you think of all that we've talked about leading up to this point of what it looks like to be anchored in Christ, like what does that life really look like? Well, it's no surprise that on today that we're talking about what it looks like to be anchored in serving. I don't think there's hardly anyone better as an example for us than Mike and Joe Parks of what it looks like to be anchored in serving. I'm talking about an all-out commitment to Jesus. This is what Peter gets at at this point. I don't know if you know this or not, but um, back on March 2nd, in 1972, uh, NASA uh, launched a satellite called Pioneer 10 uh, into orbit. It had one mission, and it was to get to Jupiter and take pictures and then send those pictures back to NASA. What was incredible is that this um, satellite, as well as the mission, was designed for a 21-month mission. What's incredible, though, is that it accomplished that and much more. In fact, it was on November 6th, between November 6th and December 31st of 1973, that it sent 500 pictures already back to NASA of Jupiter. But what's interesting is that it didn't stop there, that it continued um, almost a billion miles from the sun, this satellite, Pioneer 10, begins to pass Saturn. Then it begins to pass Uranus. Then it begins to pass Neptune. And then it begins to pass Pluto, which is no longer a planet, I've heard. But it's incredible that this 21-month mission with this little transmitter radio was doing all of this, accomplished more than anybody imagined in this 21-month mission. You know what it turned into, Mike? 31 years. Listen, you can't even make this stuff up. I mean, 31 years, Mike. I mean, you could kind of have something in common with this satellite right here, you know? Uh, I mean, it's pretty incredible. But what Peter is getting at is that this is what it should look like as a life that is anchored in Christ, that you are anchored in accomplishing its mission. And, and wouldn't it be incredible as, as NASA is looking at this Pioneer 10 satellite and they're just thinking, how in the world did it do all of this? Wouldn't you love at the end of your life that people would look at you and just think, how in the world did God do so much through this person? How in the world did they continue so faithfully? How in the world did they have this long obedience in the same direction? And that direction is Jesus. 
The only answer is because of where our anchor really is. That our anchor is in Christ Jesus. Therefore, it continues us in him. It continues on a path of surrender. It continues us on a path of service. Wholeheartedly. All out and all in. All right, so will you take your Bibles and let's read what Peter says about this serving. So will you stand with me if you're willing and able in 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5. He says this, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not out of greed for money, but eagerly. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but by being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for allowing us to be a part of your kingdom work. Father, we realize that you don't need any of our service. You don't need any of us to serve you. But God, because you are gracious and merciful, you allow us to take place and serve in your kingdom. And so, Father, will you teach us now what that looks like? And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated once again. You know, when you get to the end of chapter 4 in 1 Peter, it seems like a natural break. I mean, it seems like a, a spot where the epistle could end. You know, talking about joy, continue with joy in the Lord, all right? So good riddance, right? All right, I'm done. End of letter. But Peter had more to say because God had more to say. Because as you continue to think about this being anchored in Christ, that Peter gives us insight into the structure of the local church that would allow us to maintain service. It would allow us to maintain a proper trajectory toward the mission that we've been given. And so the first thing that Peter talks about in verse 1 is um, Peter talks about partnership in service. Notice what Peter says in verse 1. He says, a fellow elder. You know, of all people, I mean, all of the apostles could come up with credentials and a great resume, but Peter easily could have dropped his resume, dropped his credentials, and told the elders, okay, uh, the leaders of the local churches there that he's writing to, he could have told all of them what to do. He has a trump card. He's an apostle. 
Okay? He has a trump card because he watched Jesus walk on water. Oh, by the way, guess what? So did Peter. He walked on water. None of those other jokers could say that. All right? He has this trump card. I, can, I watched Jesus feed 5,000 people. I watched Jesus uh, turn water into wine. I watched Jesus with all of these miracles do all of these incredible things. I was there, by the way, at the night that Jesus was arrested. Now, that's where it gets a little hairy in the credentials and his resume because he did kind of mess things up a little bit. He took out a sword, tried to chop a dude's head off. All right, but Jesus fixed it, but he would skip through that part of his resume. And then he could say, I watched Jesus be crucified. I was there when we found out that Jesus was raised from the dead. You see the credentials that Peter has? He could come at it as an authority speaking down to the other elders, but he doesn't do that. He says, as a fellow elder, a partnership. This is the language here that Peter is recognizing that it needs all of us. Now, I don't know if any of you are fans of Shakespeare. Anybody Shakespeare fans in here that wants to admit it? Okay, I'm joking. All right. Uh, so listen, I've never been much into Shakespeare because uh, I have a hard time reading as it is. Okay, Old English is even more difficult. All right. But I love the play Henry V. It's just an incredible story. Um, but this young uh, king, this young leader, and there's this famous speech that Shakespeare writes that, um, that King Henry is obviously saying. But he says... Uh, right before um, the king is leading the knights into battle, by the way, to a much superior force in France. And he says this uh, to them. He says, this day is called the Feast of Crispian. He that outlives this day and comes safe home will stand a tiptoe when this day is named. We few we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Listen, in the context of this scene and everything that's going on, listen, this is a speech that will make anybody run through a brick wall. I'm telling you right now. I mean, I was reading it in my study this past week and I was just raring to go. I was like, oh yeah, this is good. Jesus, I'm about to run through this wall for you right now, all right? And so I, I get a little passionate about it. But, but what he's getting at here is the same thing that Peter's getting at because there's something unique about when you battle together that it produces this type of brotherhood. He's saying, listen, all of us, as we partner together in the gospel, for the kingdom of Christ, that we, it takes all of us, it takes every single one of us in partnership together. And it's not just partnership within the church, it is partnership outside of the church, which by the way, this is why, um, because of your generosity, that we have so many partners around the world. Did you realize that there's not a corner of the world um, that I was told this past week, except Antarctica. Okay, we're working on it, all right? But there's not a corner of the world that the Green Acres is not supporting or helping or aiding or starting churches, supporting churches, serving churches all over the world because it requires a partnership together. This is why we partner together with um, the Mentoring Alliance, with Fostering Collective, uh, with Hand Up Network, 
with all of these different agencies right here in East Texas because it takes all of us together for the kingdom of God to continue to expand. It takes every single one of us. Peter says, listen, if you want to see kingdom impact, then make sure you pay attention to kingdom partners because it requires all of us. Even Paul talks about it in Philippians 1 and 2. Paul's talking about with the church of Philippi, that it takes this type of partnership. Even uh, in First Peter, excuse me, in Philippians 1 verse 5, it says, uh, uh, because of your partnership in the gospel, right, from the first day until now, he's talking about because of this partnership that the kingdom of God is advancing and moving forward. This is why we support NAM, the North American Mission Board, the IMB, International Mission Board. This is why we do a world mission offering every single November because we want to support with everything we got, partnerships around the world. But it wasn't just this small type of partnership. Look at where he begins. He begins with his position. He says, as a fellow elder, but I want you to see the way that Peter describes Um, with three unique words, the leader in the church. He's saying, as a fellow pastor of the church, as a fellow leader of the church, this is who he is addressing specifically, but he does it in three ways. Uh, The first way that he does it is he calls them uh, elder. Now, when you think about elder, this is referring to uh, the maturity of the pastor or the wisdom of the pastor. And then he uses a second word. He uses overseer. You see, overseer or bishop, this is where we get the Greek word bishop from, okay? So overseer is talking about the responsibility of the pastor. He has the responsibility to oversee the church. And then he uses a third word that is shepherd. And shepherding is referring to the ministry of the pastor. So you have um, all of these words that are not talking about different people, but all three are talking about three different aspects of the same person, of the same pastor. And what Peter is getting at, he's saying, listen, this is what it looks like to be a godly leader. This is the position that he is referring to, not for purposes of dividing, but for purposes of clarity and unity moving forward in the mission. But he also says, um, and about this partnership that he serves through his testimony. So as a fellow elder, but also as a witness to the sufferings of Christ. See, this is what Peter is getting at here as a witness. He's talking about himself as an eyewitness. So what Peter saw in person, you and I are given by illumination of the spirit of God. What Peter saw physically with his own eyes are impressed upon us by the Spirit of God through his living word on our hearts. He's saying that we have this same witness. Now, what does a witness do? A witness is someone who proclaims truth and lets others know of that truth. You see, this is what you and I are called to. One of the greatest ways that you can serve, according to Peter, is by witnessing, by being a witness of the truth of Jesus. And when he's talking about the sufferings of Jesus, ultimately he's saying about the gospel, the saving gospel, the saving sufferings of Jesus Christ. He's saying this is what we are to be a witness to. And then he says that it's all about God's glory. You see, Peter served to God's glory. 
Ultimately, this is where Peter is getting that this is why we serve is so that the name of Jesus can be magnified. This is one of the greatest things about Mike and the way that he leads worship is because it's never about what he is doing. It's all about who Jesus is. This is why Peter is getting at this. He's saying, listen, if you and I are looking for the platform, if you and I are looking for um, anything other than to point others to Jesus, then you're not being a faithful witness of Jesus. You're just looking at ways of how you yourself can get ahead in life. He's saying, listen, it's not about that. It's about giving God all the glory. First Peter 5.1 says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. This is what Peter is getting at. He said, listen, I, I know I'm a fellow elder, but I share with you in this way. He's identifying with every person because it's all about pointing people to Jesus. William Barclay says this. He says, a saint is someone whose life makes it easier to believe in God. That, that's what's glorifying to the Lord. That when people look at you and the way that you serve, when people look at your life and your faithfulness, that, that they don't look at anything else other than they understand who Christ is better because of the way that you're serving, how you serve your coworkers, how you serve your family, how you serve your wife, how you serve your husband, how you serve the lonely, how you serve the down and out, the marginalized, those who have no one, how you serve these people when you get no recognition from anyone, how you serve and there's no benefit to it to you whatsoever. This is the service of Jesus Christ. This is when we look like Jesus best, is when we serve. Because it's this type of service, it's this type of service that requires complete surrender. Now, 1 Corinthians 10 says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Do you see how Peter is navigating back and forth in this passage? He's, it seems like he's talking to everyone. Then he's talking to pastors. Okay, and now he's talking to everybody. Then he comes back to the pastor. He says this in verses two through four, that we see that there is a clear expectation in service. And when he talks about this expectation, he's talking directly to the pastors. And he's talking about the weight of leadership. He's talking about the burden, the expectation, where there is high expectation, there is high responsibility and high, high weight. And all of us are familiar with this type of weight. Whether you're a coach, a lawyer, a business leader, whether you're a doctor, a nurse, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a homemaker, whatever it is that God has called you to, that there's a weight to your life with the expectation. But Peter says that we, in the midst of this, because remember, remember that, that Peter is talking to a suffering people. Listen, uh, the recruitment agencies during this time that were trying to find pastors to fill the churches, listen, they're nowhere. I mean, people are dying. People are losing their lives. They're being burned at this, on the crosses. Okay, Nero is going nuts with this persecution, right? And nobody is 
coming out saying, you know what? I want to lead and be the pastor. I want to do that. Nobody's doing that. There's a certain amount of weight that they were facing that you and I don't face today. But he says that we are to, even in the midst of it, serve with distinction. I mean, he says this. He says, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly. Okay, not about um, greed for money, but eagerly. Okay, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. It's being clear in how the shepherd is to lead, how the pastor is to lead. He's saying, listen, it's not out of compulsion. It's not out of greed. It's not out of lording it over. It's out of love for the people. It's the same words that Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. He says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. See, what Peter is getting at is that the job of the pastor, the job of the shepherd here is to follow Jesus so eagerly, so passionately, with full surrender in such a way that you are drawing others into the presence of God with you. He's saying this is how you're to do it. There's no other reason to do it. Why? Because there's no other hope than this one. He says, serve with hope. Why? Listen to what verse four says. It says, when the chief shepherd appears. You know what? I love this part of Peter because you know what Peter is doing right here? Listen, he's, he's showing these shepherds. He's showing the pastor. Listen, this is how you're to lead among the flock, the people that are entrusted to you. He says, because there will be a day that you stand before the chief shepherd. You know what Peter does there? He says, you are not the chief shepherd. You are not the one in charge. Listen, I am a fellow elder among you. Guess what? We're not the chief elders. Guess who is? Jesus Christ. He says, we all report to him. He says, listen, when you stand before the chief shepherd, you are going to be crowned with a crown that is unfading because everything else, if you live for anything else, if you serve for anything else, Peter's saying, all of that, like the earth, is going to melt away. But when you serve faithfully and when you serve in the way that God has designed for you to serve, he says, there's an unfading crown. He's saying for all of us, this is what it looks like to serve Jesus well, to serve all out and all in for him. And this is where he shifts once again back to everyone because everyone's has an opportunity. Every person has an opportunity to serve. There is not a single person in God's kingdom that does not have a place to serve in God's kingdom. Every single one of us. You know, we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We see it in Ephesians chapter 4 over and over again that, that there is not a difference between clergy and laity. Like there's no difference between a professional uh, minister and some saint that is filled with the Spirit of God. Did you know that? Can I just give you a little secret? Listen, um, there's no different access that I have that you don't have in Christ Jesus. 
There is no different spirit of God that I have that has indwelled me that will not indwell you. We all have the same spirit. In fact, Paul makes this clear in Ephesians chapter four, verses four through six. He says this, he says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to uh, one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, a father of all who is above all and through all and in all. You know what that means? All of us have one. It is Christ Jesus. It is the Spirit of God. It is the Father of the heavens and the earth. He says it is for every person. Listen, the point that Peter is making between shepherd and everyone else, the shepherd and the flock, is not to create division. It is to unify us in a direction that is toward his mission, and that is it. He says later in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, he says, and he himself, okay, as you're saying, there's one baptism, there's one father, there's one spirit, there's one access in Christ Jesus. He says this in verse 11, he says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Listen, you know what Paul is saying right here? He's saying, listen, my job is not to do the ministry for you. My job is to do the ministry with you. My job is not to do something that you cannot do. It is my job to do it with you and to shepherd us toward the throne and mission of Jesus Christ. And that is it. It is not me and you. It is us united together or the mission does not go forward. If we want to see East Texas change with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to reach your neighbor, you want to reach families, you want to reach the school, you want to make an impact. Listen, it doesn't take you, it takes us. All of us, all in and all out for Jesus Christ. You know, some of you are thinking right now, there's no way I can add anything else to my plate. Can I just give you a little secret? I think the same thing every morning. There's no way I can just add another project. There's no way I can do this. Listen, I know that feeling, and I know that you feel that way. Listen, this is not a sales pitch to get you to serve in nursery, although we do need some, okay? (laughs) This is not a sales pitch trying to trick you into something. Can Can I just tell you something? Do you know what the secret is to a fulfilled life. I'm talking about, listen, I'm not talking about the, the, the Joel Osteen, your best life now move. I'm talking about real fulfillment. I'm talking about real satisfaction in your life. You know what it is? The key is surrender. The key to a satisfied and fulfilled life is surrender to Jesus. Because when you think there is no possible way I can fit Anything else in my life, Jesus may be saying, yeah, but you don't need any of that other stuff. When you think, how can I fit one more thing on my plate? You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, how can I fill your plate for a feast? It's a surrender to Jesus. You know, the secret of Pioneer 10. You know, so many... Scientists are just trying to figure out how did this thing last for 31 years? 
I mean, it came up all beaten and bruised and looks like it's just been through a whirlwind. Mike, you look way better after 31 years, okay? <laughs> but when, they're, when they look at it, here's what happened as it was on its mission. As it got close to Jupiter... Uh, on November 6th of 1973, as it's passing by Jupiter, it's taking all those pictures, something happened. It was this gravitational pull that took Pioneer 10 and just flung it, I mean, hurled it forward. See, Pioneer 10 had nothing to offer. It was something outside of itself. And so it is with every single believer in Jesus Christ, because let me tell you something. As soon as you surrender, oh, the Spirit of God is going to take you and just hurl you forward. You're going to do things that you never thought were possible because the Spirit of God is filling you in such a way that you're going to think, how in the world is this happening? How in the world is this taking place? And it's not you. It's you surrendering to the movement of the Spirit of God in your life. And listen, don't think, I can't do anything else. Guess what? That is a true statement. You have nothing to offer. You can do nothing apart from Christ Jesus. It is the Spirit of God working through you and in you. And in the same way of Pioneer 10, it will continue you on the mission of Jesus Christ. If we surrender to him, you know, so many times we think, man, I just can't do it. You know what Jesus says in Matthew? In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, come to me, come to me, all of you, all of you who are weary, all of you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, you will find rest, you will find satisfaction, you will find fulfillment for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You see, when you get to the end of your life, are you going to wish, man, I wish I would have done more of this. I wish I would have done this. Or are you going to get at the end of your life, and know without a shadow of doubt, man, I surrendered all. I gave my all to Jesus. Can I just invite you right now, right now, for you to put a stake in the ground and say, listen, I'm going to go all in for Jesus. Whatever I need to do to serve, whatever I need to get rid of, however I need to jump forward and move the mission of God forward, I'm all in to serve Jesus. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you teach us of what it means to serve you well. God, thank you for the example that we have, not just in Jesus, not just in Peter, but God, we have in our own servant here at Green Acres, Mike Parks. God, thank you for the way that you have used him because of his surrender to you. And so, Father, as we look ahead, God, our yes is on the table. Our surrender is here to you and you alone. And so, Father, will you speak to us now as we continue to worship you? And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 
Hey, thank you for joining us today with our church family here at Green Acres Baptist Church. And this invitation is for you. Maybe God is stirring in your heart right now from what you have heard. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe God is calling you right now for salvation. You know, the Bible is very clear that if we uh, confess with our mouth and if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so right now you could pray a very simple prayer and just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need you to come into my life and save me. If that's you today, we wanna help you and walk with you with this decision. Maybe for others of you, uh, maybe you've been saved, but maybe you've been waiting to get baptized. Uh, maybe you need to figure out what it means to be a member of our church here at Green Acres. Whatever that decision is, we wanna come alongside you. And so do us a favor. You can fill out the connect card at gabc.org and one of our team members will be with you very shortly. Whatever it is that God has laid on your heart, we wanna walk with you in your growth in Jesus Christ. I look forward to hearing from you soon.